If you were able to walk into a room confident that you would be well-received, seen, heard, and appreciated by others, and all it took was a few changes in how you navigate your everyday relationships, would you be willing to make those changes? It is possible to be both fully authentic and to experience the best relationships of your life. Now, here's the host of Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert, Mickey Gaffin-Stone. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Navigating Complicated Relationships with me, your host, Michaela Gaffin-Stone. And I'm here to talk to you about narcissism today. This topic has come up by request. Um, I've had a few people talking to me about this lately, and I've come across a lot of people who are convinced that their ex-spouse is a narcissist. And we'll look into that. How much of that is likely to be accurate and how much may be symptoms of something else. We're going to delve into some interesting things. So the questions we have for you today, are you living with a narcissist? Are you a narcissist? Because somebody is, right? Somebody has to be. So you could be that person, right? Or here's a thought, have you been parented by a narcissist? And if your answer to any of those was a definite yes or a, even a definite no, how do you know? This term has become so popular today that we really need to very carefully examine what it means to be a narcissist. Because either we have a narcissist population explosion or there's something else going on, right? I'm Michaela Gaffin-Stone. I'm a human behavior expert and behavior is what we'll explore today. So let me be very clear. I am not a doctor. I am not diagnosing. This is not meant to replace therapy. This is not meant to replace medical advice. And I'm for sure not telling you to use this information and diagnose someone. But it's a very interesting topic to explore and to really think about for yourself. So today we're going to look at the traits, the behaviors, and the fallout associated with being in any kind of relationship excuse me, with a narcissist. I'm going to have some suggestions for what to look for when you're exiting that relationship, when you choose to do so, because by and large, you will choose to do so. It's a difficult relationship to be in. We're also going to look at what causes narcissism. Where does it come from and why? You know, how, why is there so much of it now? And is there anything you can do about it? So these are the questions and more. There are some surprises coming up that we're going to explore in today's episode. But again, I really have to put out that disclaimer. I'm not a doctor and I don't play one on TV. So with that said, let's have a look at the subject of narcissism. So first of all, I want to look at what it isn't. It's not genetic. You're not born with it. And those two things are key to understand because when someone is making excuses of, They've always been like that. I would argue that there's a very good chance that, no, they haven't. But at what point did they learn those behaviors? And that's a thought to start considering. This is a mental health condition. And because the term narcissism is thrown about so often these days, there's a huge stigma attached. So if you think about it, if you're in a relationship with someone and you think they're a narcissist, and you tell them so, how well do you think that's likely to be received? 
it's not going to be well received at all because you are telling that person a lot of very negative things about them. And by definition, which we will get to in a moment, a narcissist cannot accept that. So there's no good outcome from referring to a narcissist as a narcissist. You're not going to get anywhere by telling them, and that's not the path to having them seek help. It is a path, and we will get to that later as well. I know I keep telling you later, later, but this particular subject requires a lot of unpacking. So we're going to work through it. Now, the Oxford English Dictionary, which is always a good place to start, I think, when you want to find a definition of something, is the definition of narcissism when it comes to the psychology of it is selfishness with a strong, very strong sense of entitlement, a lack of empathy where they they really don't care about the feelings of others. And it's not that they don't recognize them. They don't care. It doesn't matter. It's not important. It's not on their radar. They don't have room for that. There is a strong need for admiration from everybody in their environment. And all of those factors might not be many, but remember, they're all very strong. They're, they're on the strong end of that spectrum. Those are used to characterize that personality type. They have an unreasonably high sense of their own importance. Now, bear that in mind, because it's not just, we're not talking a, a little bit of an inflated, you know, hey, I've, I've got this ego. This, this is really grandiose, right? It's a, all these behaviors are very significant. Um, self-centeredness and the self-centeredness comes from a failure to distinguish themselves from the external from external objects, other people. Now, where have you heard me say that before? If you've listened to my podcasts and you happen to listen to the one all about boundaries, you will have heard that boundaries are essential for the child to learn where they end and the other person begins, where their sphere of influence is contained and where other people's are. This is the key to boundaries. Now, we've had so many people grow up without being given boundaries. Think Gen X, right? Generation X. I've gone into this before, but you might have missed it, so I'll go into it again. And it always bears repeating. Gen X were the generation who raised themselves. It's a feral bunch of people. Um, some of us are right on the cusp of that. And, you know, we were given the keys to the house at a very early age and told, you know, go to school, get yourself back, make some food and, you know, don't burn the house down. And if it was a day off, you know, weekends or something, you boot it out of the house in the morning, come back when it's dark. So there was an awful lot of time where Gen Xers were raising themselves and it was trial and error. And it depended on who you hung out with. If you had people to hang out with, what did you all do? Think Lord of the Flies here, right? What? Who was the leader? What did they dictate was going to be the rules for that group? It's more or less how a lot of Gen X were raised. There's no boundaries in there. It was all trial and error. So now you have Gen X parents and what's 
laughingly referred to as elder millennials, I love that one, elder millennials, um, who are raised, they're, they're raising kids now, trying to do the right thing, but they have no, no idea what that is. Like, they didn't have boundaries, so how do you create a boundary? What's a good boundary? And I, I've had many parents say to me, oh, I, I don't like boundaries because they're too strict and it makes me seem mean. Well, I would argue that that's not a boundary then because <laughs> that's not what they're for. But if you have this generation that's grown up without boundaries, there's going to be a fair proportion of those people. I believe it's something like 6% of the population right now the category of narcissism well not all that six percent are going to be gen x the number will be higher so you know the percentage will be higher for gen x so boundaries when i'm when i say for parenting that those are key i'm really not kidding they are absolutely key for all relationships so look at your boundaries in your relationship with your partner do you have boundaries if you don't why not is it because you don't know how to set them or is it because your partner runs over them? Here's a clue. Red flag, right? If your partner's running over your boundaries, there's something you need to look at. There's something you need to examine here. Narcissistic tendencies, the, the word tendencies, are normal when they happen occasionally. They, you know, sometimes you need to be the center of attention. You just want that attention. Sometimes a person might brag a little bit, you know, maybe they just want to be acknowledged and, and they haven't been for a while. That's perfectly normal. And think of teenagers, right? Teenagers are more or less going to display narcissistic tendencies because they are adults in training and they are trying to figure out where, where am I in all of this? And it's, it is all about me because I need to figure out what I'm doing. My hormones are going nuts. My parents want me to do this, that, and the other. I have demands at school. My friends want me to do other things. You know, the teenager is being pulled in so many directions that it is, in fact, all about them. So to say a teenager is a narcissist is a bit stiff. It's not very helpful, honestly. Um, but they will display those tendencies. Yes, absolutely, because they're going through a process. So it's important to decide and define which is, which is part of a process and which is a very solid trait that doesn't go away anywhere. So all the way through this episode today, I'm going to be giving you pointers to look for where it's actually not a problem. It might be a bit of a pain, but it's not a problem. Um, and where you really have some serious red flags and you need to take action. So, you know, let's unpack all of this as we go along. So narcissistic personality disorder is different from what I've been describing so far because the symptoms are severe, you know, the behavioral symptoms. They happen in all sorts of situations, all sorts of settings, different environments, different people, and it makes relationships nigh on impossible to maintain, certainly very, very difficult. Somebody there is working very hard and it's not the narcissist so much. So if you're in a relationship and you think that your partner may be a narcissist, or even if you think you may be, let's, let's have some self-honesty here. 
then ask yourself, since being in this relationship, have I changed? And if you have, and many people do change, but the question is, is it a big change or a little change? If you have changed, in what way? When? When did that happen? And very key, is this change for better or for worse? Has your partner played a role in this change? And if so, how much of a role? And very, very important, do you like you? Do you like this new version of you? Because if you have been changing who you are in order to accommodate all the things this other person requires of you, then what you've become is a chameleon. And a chameleon just kind of flattens against the background and changes colors to fit in. You've lost yourself. And if you feel like you've lost yourself, then you may well be in a relationship with a narcissist. And even if you are or you aren't, whether you get a diagnosis or not, you might want to consider your options. Can you exit that relationship? It might be a very good thing for you to do. If you've lost yourself, what else would you do? So it's there are going to be some key questions for you throughout this because I really need you to be clear for yourself. Are you in the right space? If your parent is a narcissist, how much of a relationship do you need to have with them? Just because it's your parent doesn't mean you have to be attached at the hip. You know, they, they gave birth to you. Yes, you're here in the world. Yes. If they are not helping you, then I would limit my interactions. If they absolutely positively have a negative influence on you, then maybe you don't have interactions. You have to do what's best for yourself. And you know that might sound a little narcissistic, but of course it isn't. You have to look after you. If you don't, who will? So pay attention to the things that I'm coming up with during this session. I've researched in a lot of different areas so that I can bring this to you today. And I really hope that by the end of this, you have some clarity on what you're working with, whether it's for yourself or someone you know. So we're going to have a break in just a moment. I can't believe we're there already. I've hardly started. I mean, seriously. You are listening to Michaela Gaffin-Stone here on the Navigating Complicated Relationships on the Inspired Choices Network. I'm so glad you're here. And later, I'm going to give you ways to contact me and get in touch with me. We can talk about your situation if you want to. And of course, we can talk about the surprise that's coming up very, very soon. See you in a minute. Don't go away. What if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert Mickey Gaffin-Stone will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Mickey Gaffin-Stone Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, 
you can broadcast from anywhere in the world, knowing your voice matters, and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email becomeahost at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is Navigating Complicated Relationships with Mickey Gaffin-Stone. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also send an email to mickey at gaffinstone.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. I'm glad you're still here. Now, I know you're hearing Mickey Gaffinstone, and that's correct for my email. It is still mickey at gaffinstone.com. And I'm using my full name of Michaela, just to avoid any confusion. So before the break, we were looking at what narcissism isn't. It's not genetic. You're not born with it. And what it is, it's a mental health condition. And it's very, very behavioral. It's all about the behavior, in fact. So that's why this is of great interest to me. We found that boundaries are absolutely key to any relationship, and it's something that is very much missing in the childhood of the narcissist. So that's one of the things that you can look for. The person you're thinking of, whether it's yourself or someone else, did they have boundaries? Do you know? Can you find out? It's, it's something to be aware of. And some narcissistic tendencies are normal. You know, as you're a teen, there are certain phases when you're growing up. And little kids, it's all about them because it has to be. That's how the species survives, right? Now, if you're in a relationship and you have changed who you are in order to respond to the person you're with, to to be the person they want you to be, well, that's a massive red flag and you need to really re-examine that. Is that a relationship you want to be in? Because if they're wanting to be with you, then who you are is exactly the right person to be. Why would anybody want you to change? So I have a little acronym here, which I think is very cute, (laughs) and it works for for narcissism, and that is special me. Special, let's go through that first. Sense of self-importance. Highly insecure and therefore preoccupied with power, beauty, success, um, entitlement, and can only be around other people who are important or special in some way, and they exploit others for their own gain. They have arrogance, lack of empathy, must be admired by others, and they're envious of other people and believe that others are envious of them. So these are all things for you to be aware of in the uh, when you're looking your relationship with this person. How how does that show up for you? Is that person that you're with, are are they particularly arrogant and all about themselves and yet you have a problem or you have something that you want help with and, and they're just not there for you? Is that something that happens to you? It could be a clue. It could be a clue. So here's an interesting one. A narcissist will never apologize and certainly never sincerely. So if a narcissist does apologize, you can tell that, that well, if, if your own self-esteem and you're not questioning yourself too much, if all of that's still intact, then you can tell it's not really sincere 
there's an ulterior motive. They want to gain something by that apology. So it's not a real apology. And and that can be very interesting for you to keep track of, right? Does that person ever apologize? Um, yeah. So when you begin your relationship, some red flags, lots of love bombing, you know, like lots of just attention, 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 and illusions and fantasies about perfect love. And, you know, they paint these amazing pictures and so on. But they're also very hooked on their own success and their own power and their superiority. They begin all loving and, you know, doing all the things for you that they can do. But but over time, once they've got you hooked, then things start to go wrong and you get blamed, you get shamed for something. And it's often not direct. It's it's manipulative, right? So it's not a straight up, hey, you did that and that was that was terrible. Mm-mm, no, it's much more subtle. Oh, well, when I do this thing, it, it works, but I've noticed you don't have the same result. You know, that kind of thing. It, it can be much more subtle than I can be. I'm known for my subtlety generally. Um, the thing with narcissists, though, is underneath all of that bluster, that person is very insecure, and they've had to build this massive personality, if you will, to cover an unbearable vulnerability underneath. That often is there. And I want to look for a moment. Where did that where did that come from? Where what created this narcissist? And yes, I'm going to go to childhood because that is where many of our lasting and very large traits are brought in, right? That's where we learn them. We're conditioned with them. Notice the human design word there, conditioned, right? And so if your parents are sort of they could be unfeeling or appear to be unfeeling, or they're very perhaps competitive and very driven by success. So as a child, this person gets lots of praise for confidence, lots of praise for winning and being the top dog and, you know, getting first in everything. Um, in Just throwing this out there, but in Singapore, there's a word for that, which is kiasu, which means I have to be first. Right. So. If this person is raised with this as being a priority while having empathy sort of laughed at, generally discouraged, then that person does develop or can develop a very grandiose view of their own self-importance because they're encouraged to do so. This is put into them. It's, It's like conditioned into them by that kind of parenting. Then you have another scenario where there's a lot of trauma in the childhood and this child doesn't feel loved, doesn't feel noticed, feels put down, feels, in his key, unfairly blamed and treated unjustly. And when you have that kind of childhood going on, not every child will respond the same way, of course, but there's a trauma response. And that trauma response can be to sort of develop this fantasy self that is larger than life, that's better than best, that, you know, it's not my fault. It's never my fault. It couldn't possibly be my fault. It has to be your fault. And as a child, 
probably not wrong. You know, maybe a lot of the things that happen to them are not to do with them. They just happen to them. But as you get older, there needs to be an understanding that that's not always the case and a learning of self-responsibility. Somebody with narcissism doesn't have that. They don't get that learning and it could be, you know, I'm not a psychologist, so I can't give you the the whole diagnosis thing, as I mentioned earlier. But it can be that they just the vulnerability is something they just can't release. They can't show it. it it's just so raw that it's buried. And so being larger than life and having everybody else be at fault is the way to get through life. And, you know. Quite often, I mean, think of the situations we have in the world today, okay? Look at a political debate, if you will. He who shouts loudest tends to win, you know, and, and that, that may be a sweeping statement. It may be not always accurate, but unfortunately, it's accurate often enough. And so this narcissist, you know, a narcissist knows this intrinsically, that I'm just going to be loud and I'm going to be insistent and you could put a narcissist on a lie detector test and they pass because they believe themselves. They're not lying to you per se. They believe it. The problem is, how did that happen? And it's very often stemming from the childhood. Now, here's the thing. This is a learned set of behaviors. Aha, a learned set of behaviors can possibly be unlearned. But by definition for a narcissist, this is going to be incredibly difficult because how can they admit even to themselves that they have a problem? They don't have a problem. Everybody else has a problem, right? So getting a narcissist to seek treatment is going to be a labor of Hercules um, at best and your biggest chance of success or perhaps their biggest chance of success is if they have a co-occurring condition. And that can be significant anxiety. It can be substance abuse. These kind of things are usually the, the entry into seeking help will be the anxiety and the substance abuse. Now, a therapist will have to tread very carefully with the narcissist because they have a hair trigger for their defense mechanisms coming up. And they learned this in childhood too, right? They were under siege pretty much from all the situations they had in their life. And so they have this hair trigger of you say that word and I'm going to, you know, unleash the narcissist on you. So it can take a very long time. That's basically what I'm saying. And it requires professional help to help that narcissist move through their behaviors into something that's more livable for themselves and everybody else, really, because the, the narcissist is quite sort of if they took time, they'd be puzzled by why their relationships keep ending. You know, what's wrong with all these people? Why do they keep missing out, right, on the on the wonders that is me? But they that is not enough for the narcissist to understand that they have a bigger issue and they need to work on it. So that's something that's um, key to remember, because if, if you are in a relationship with the narcissist, whether it's your parent, your partner, whoever it is, you know, even a colleague at work, telling them what you think is not likely to help. It's likely to hinder. They'll just put up more defenses 
and be even more difficult to work with or live with. So that's very important to know. Now, in the manipulation, we can also see physical abuse as well as mental abuse. And what will typically happen with someone who's inflicting physical abuse, they'll be absolutely unspeakable and, you know, a violent rage that lasts briefly. And then a little bit later, they'll be, oh, I'm so sorry. I have all this stress at work and these terrible things happen. And, oh, I don't know what happened. I just got kind of crazy, but I won't do it again. I'll never do it again. As soon as you hear those words, please do look for somebody to help you get out of there because um, that person is not telling you the truth. They're telling you what they want you to believe. This is the start of gaslighting and it's the start of a very destructive phase of that relationship. So if you're in that, I suggest you seriously consider how you can get out of there safely and find some someone that you can contact that will help you do that. Because that is physical abuse situation is not something that anybody should tolerate, male or female. Okay, this is not situation that is tenable but if you have children it's especially important to get them out of there because this will affect them for life as well so really bear these things in mind now i promise after the break i am getting to the surprise bits that i wanted to bring in today um so don't go away i hope you're making notes if you have questions for me you know i love answering questions so go for it and i will see you after the break don't go away anywhere See you soon. What if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert Mickey Gaffin-Stone will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Mickey Gaffin-Stone Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows, along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. This is Navigating Complicated Relationships with Mickey Gaffin-Stone. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also send an email to Mickey at GaffinStone.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Michaela Gaffin-Stone, here on Navigating Complicated Relationships. And today we are talking about narcissism. Again, I am not a doctor. I am not diagnosing. I don't play a doctor on TV, but we are discussing something that is very popular at the moment. You know, it used to be that everybody was told they had bipolar disorder and, and you know, some people do, but not everybody did. And it's not helpful because it becomes this 
sort of catch-all phrase and people who require help might not get it because it's just sort of being bandied about so much. So narcissism is the current um, flavor, if you will, the current thing that gets thrown around a lot. So we need to be very careful that we're not overusing it, right? And stigmatizing somebody with narcissism is absolutely not a path to helping them. Now, someone in the chat asked me, can narcissistic tendencies be unlearned? Can they learn to have empathy? Well, it is possible, but it's not easy. And it will take years of work. And it would take that person wanting to learn. But yes, you can learn these behavioral traits because as a child, you learn them. You're not born with them. You discover them, if you will. So the thing for an adult with narcissism, for example, is they have to unlearn they have to be in a safe enough environment that they can allow that to happen. And then they have to have a really skilled therapist to help them work through that. Now, the surprise that I wanted to bring in for everybody today is, believe it or not, human design. What? How can you possibly bring human design into this? Well, first of all, let me clarify. I'm not saying this human design means that you have narcissism or that you will have narcissism. But there are certain gates and channels within human design that if you're out of alignment with what you need to be doing and who, who you need to show up as, then that tendency can show up. And if it's unchecked, it can become a problem. Some, some people will have more of a possibility based on their human design. Now, it's not just your human design, it's also the nature-nurture, right? Nature is going to be your human design, but nurture has an influence. Nurture is the conditioning that you receive that I mentioned earlier on about, you know, whether it could be an, an abusive situation or this sort of over-the-top, you're perfect, you do all the things right, you're a winner, you know, don't be, don't be soft on other people, you know, and empathy gets squashed. So when you have a child that doesn't appear to have empathy, for example, there can be different things going on. Um, sometimes someone with autism might appear not to have empathy. And that's because not because they don't feel, but because it's difficult to read signals. You know, the the um, nonverbal language can be very difficult for someone with autism to interpret which is why speaking very clearly and in sort of simple, not simple terms, but direct terms, you don't want to be ambiguous, is very helpful because then that person knows you're saying what you mean and meaning what you say. Sort of facial expressions and so on take longer to learn. It is learnable, yes, absolutely, because the feelings are there intact. They just don't necessarily know when to employ them. So a child that doesn't appear to have empathy, which is a, a question someone asked me, um, yeah, it's a learned behavior. You learn it by seeing what other people are doing. So if you're in you know, and experiencing it too, right? So if you're in uh, an environment where you're not given any empathy, you, you know, you have the cold shoulder from parents, which can sometimes happen. Um, or maybe you're in a foster situation, you know, some kids go through endless foster homes. They're not really seeing empathy, are they? And if they're not getting empathy, how do you learn it? 
So, yes, a lot of these behaviors are, in fact, learned. You're not just born with them. That baby is an open book and they've arrived with some tendencies and that's going to be in your human design. I mean, you can find it in your human design. It's your blueprint. But also nurture will have an effect on that. What kind of environment they're raised in. So, yes, it is absolutely possible to teach empathy. It can be learned. But for the narcissist, it's going to be a difficult sell because that, you know, we, we all talk about getting out of our comfort zones, but that is a serious leap out of your comfort zone. Like that is whoa, way out there and something they haven't experienced before because they couldn't. They couldn't allow themselves to. So it's a big ask, right? Now, on the human design side of things, which I mentioned earlier, there is 1% of the world's population who are reflectors. Now, a reflector, if you look at your chart, all of the centers, the shapes in the middle of the body graph, they're all white. They may have some gates on. They will have some gates on. Um, some of them will. But they're white. They are not defined. And so that means that those centers, all of them, are open to influence from outside. And you will absorb the the energy that, you know, all the different things, the emotions, the thoughts, each center has its own energy. You'll absorb that from the people in your environment. And then as a reflector, as the word implies, you reflect it back, but you amplify it first. So it's like a magnifying mirror. That is the, the nature, if you will, of a reflector. Now, relationships wise, who is likely to fall in love with a reflector, do you think? Just on an energetic perspective, it's going to be someone who sees themselves reflected back at them, which would attract a narcissist. It's not invariable, but it is a distinct uh, possibility and something that a reflector has to look out for. So entering into a relationship for a reflector has to be um, something that is considered even more carefully, perhaps, than the rest of us do, because there's so much going on there. Now, if you are a reflector, you already know that you have a lot going on and a lot of things change and shift and that the people in your environment are key to how things go for you. So if you're hanging out with uh, a negative group of people, then that will be your experience. And if you're hanging out in a very positive environment, that will be your experience. So the key for a reflector is to curate their environment because you, you can't override it. So you need to select carefully who is in your environment. If you're noticing that this particular person has a negative effect on you, then you need to either move away from them or, you know, work it in some way so that they're not in your sphere of influence because they will be influencing you significantly. And that energy is felt so much more strongly by the reflector. So the reflector is by nature, very empathetic and really picks up on other people's feelings to the extra degree and could be picking up on the vulnerability of a narcissist, for example. And if they're not careful about how they use their abilities, they could be drawn into wanting to, you know, save that narcissist. And that doesn't end well because that's not your job. You can't do that. 
you can't save that person. So if you are a reflector, uh, I would love to have a conversation with you and go through your chart with you because there there are ways for you to keep yourself in a good space and to navigate this. But do be aware that narcissists and people with you know significant egos are going to be drawn to you because you're reflecting them back at them and what could be better. That is the definition of what happened to Narcissus. What a word. They could have named him something differently. But, you know, he, he looked into the the lake and fell in love with his own reflection. That's that's exactly it. Some famous reflectors to think of um, in this regard. Teal Swan is one, and she's a controversial figure. But think of Sandra Bullock. Um, her relationships are more complicated than her work life, for example. She can be brilliant as an actress, but her personal life needs work sometimes. Um, now, the thing for a reflector is that the relationship that they feel most secure with and most anchored with is when they have a child. So all of that is interesting to know from your human design perspective, right? There's also, if you have an undefined spleen, and again, we can talk about that if, if that's something that you do have or if you're not sure. But if you have an undefined spleen, that is a center of fear, anxiety, intuition, and funnily enough, your immune system. Just work with me here because there's a lot to explain on this. If yours is undefined, then you will be attracted to someone who has that center defined because their energy is fixed and constant in that area and it leads you to feeling secure and safe with them, even when it's not true. And sometimes that can lead to someone being stuck in an environment that's unsafe for them. Maybe their partner's abusive, but somehow they, they still have this feeling that they can't leave because this is the safest place for them to be. It isn't, and it could be that the spleen is actually exerting a big influence and again, how much influence it has depends on your childhood and a lot of that nurture that you've received. A lot of the stories that you tell yourself about who you are and how you are will affect whether you're in a relationship with a narcissist. And if you are, how long you stay there. So if you are living with a narcissist, the question is, what are you prepared to tolerate? And the first thing that you absolutely have to do is set boundaries. You don't have them yet, probably, but you need to figure out what is important to you. What will you do? Are you prepared to just gently walk away or go do something else when they cross those boundaries? But you have to look after your own mental health. You have to establish boundaries and be prepared to walk away at some point if this isn't working, because it's a very, very difficult relationship to stay in. Everything I've said to you today shows you this, right? So you have to focus on your own well-being. Now, can a narcissist fall in love? A lot of people will tell me that, no, they were just tricking me or they were fooling me. Actually, no, they can fall in love and, and as deeply or as shallowly as anyone else. The problem is the roller coaster that they put themselves through and take you on. That is something that can be just draining to live with, right? And there are different degrees of how you're going to see the narcissism. Some people, you just know, 
they walk in the room and it's like, wow, that that is just a lot. Um, and someone else might be more subtle with it. And those are the difficult ones because you can get into a relationship before you know what's happening. And then you're on this roller coaster. And those things are really difficult to get off when they're still moving, aren't they? So think about that. There's a lot going on there. Are you on a roller coaster? Is that something that happens to you? Are you up, down, up, down? And are they are they driving that roller coaster? If they are, then you might be in a relationship with a narcissist. Or if you're in charge of the roller coaster, ask yourself some of the questions we've been going through today. Because if you if you are, you can get help. And that would be so cool to do, right? Because you can experience your life more fully with that therapeutic help. You will need therapy for this. Human design can certainly help, but as well as therapy, not instead as. So I'm Michaela Gaffin-Stone, and I can't believe we are here at another break already. Holy smokes. Please don't go away. Think of all your questions ready to ask me, and come back in just a minute here on Inspired Choices Network, navigating complicated relationships. What if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert Mickey Gaffin-Stone will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Mickey Gaffin-Stone Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is Navigating Complicated Relationships with Mickey Gaffin-Stone. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also send an email to Mickey at GaffinStone.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. I'm so delighted you're still here. I just want to take a moment to let you know about next week's show. Next week is all about dyslexia and dyscalculia. Now, I'm sure uh, you've all heard of dyslexia, but how many of you have heard of dyscalculia? This show is going to be about what the signs are, what it means, what it doesn't mean, how to work with it, all sorts of detail. You know I like detail. So tune in next week for what is dyslexia and dyscalculia. I promise it won't be too technical. Scouts honor. So back to narcissism. This is such an interesting topic, I find, um, and I've had a lot of interest, people making comments about it or asking me questions. And it's it's such an interesting topic. People get very, very emotional about it because it's it's such a huge thing to deal with. If you have a narcissist in your environment, you really know about it. Even if they start off in a subtle way, it becomes pervasive because they have to be the center of attention. They are the biggest deal in the room. And that gets awfully difficult to live with. So the first thing I want to tell you is if you are a narcissist or if you know someone who is, they are not necessarily bad people, okay? It's the behavior that's the problem, not the person. The person is showing you trauma response. This person has been through hell one way or another. They've either been squashed into a corner and, and given this whole grandiose idea of, you know, you're winning or you're nothing and all that kind of thing. Can you imagine 
think about that for a moment. If this is how you're raised as a tender little child, and you're sort of praised for every time that you're you're tough and you win and you're first and all those things. And anytime you show any softness, that gets shut down because your parent wants you to be a success. They want you to win and they clearly have their own issues, right? And having done that to a child. But can you imagine being the child that grows up with that? What do you do to survive? How do you get through that? Well, there are different things. Some people will call it oppositional defiant disorder. It's a trauma response, actually. Think of the wording for that condition. Oppositional, defiant, are these good traits? No. Disorder. So all of this says it's the child's fault. And that diagnosis only lasts while you're a child, by the way. It becomes borderline personality disorder when you're older. So Again, can a diagnosis truly change on your birthday? I, I think that's um, a subject for question. And there is research to say that these are actually trauma responses from childhood. This is the defense that kids are putting up to try and survive. So the narcissist has developed this shell, if you will, that is tremendously problematic for the people around them because they don't know how not to be. They don't know how to do it differently. Maybe it was, as I mentioned, the child that was squashed into this particular shape, or maybe it was the one that just wasn't loved as a child, and so they had to do it for themselves. And this is what they show up with. That's not to say that you may need to tolerate what they're doing or, you know, oh, well, let's make an excuse for that. In fact, I'm glad that even popped into my head because if you're in a relationship and you make excuses for your partner, wow, that is a big red flag right there. You should not ever need to make an excuse for your partner. And if you are, look at that. Is, is it warranted? Why, why would it be warranted? Like re really examine that. It is not considered normal to need to make excuses for your partner. And if you're covering up bad behavior, such as them losing their temper at you and either being, you know, saying really unkind things or actually hitting you, these, it doesn't matter what the diagnosis is, honestly, at this point, this is not behavior that you can live with. So it's time to look at getting out of there and how you can do that safely. Now, if you do want to stay, as I mentioned earlier, you're going to have to have boundaries because there's just no other way around that. So all these traits that we've been discussing, you can see one or a different one in different people, right? One trait does not mean that that person is a narcissist. It might indicate something else. And sometimes, you know what? a little outrageous here, but sometimes people are just jerks. And that doesn't mean that they're a narcissist. But if they're being manipulative, if they are maneuvering their kids onto their side, for example, and that can be such a toxic way of parenting. If you have a narcissistic parent, you will have experienced this, where they say things about the other parent that puts you on their side and, and it becomes a sort of us against them situation at home. And that is just an awful way to raise a child because what does that child know about relationships now? Nothing useful. 
So if you have ended up in a relationship with a person that was raised that way, yeah, they're going to be divisive. They're going to be manipulative because that's what they learned. So the point to all of this is that you can't really blame the narcissist. There's no point. It doesn't help. They'll be busy blaming you for all kinds of things, but to blame them just gives away your power to take action to look after yourself. You can acknowledge that that's what they're dealing with. And I don't know, it would have to depend on the individual situation as to whether you have any chance of getting them to seek therapy. Therapy is required for this. There's no lesser way of doing it. You can't meditate your way out of it. Human design with therapy can certainly help because it helps to show you where you can be. It helps to show where your energy actually is under all that shell. So human design is the blueprint for who you are underneath whatever the stories are that you've been told. So it's a fabulous tool, but I would not recommend that you do human design only if you are a narcissist or if you're coming out of a really abusive relationship, you need help from different directions, right? Therapy can help. Human design can help. I would add a whole bunch in. Get yourself a salad of help because that's what you need to get out of a relationship like this that has been so toxic. And it undermines your self-esteem. It undermines your sense of worth, worth on this planet. If you're feeling that way, I'd love for you to get in touch with me. You can contact me, Mickey, at gaffinstone.com. Have a look at my website, gaffinstone.com. Funnily enough, really easy to find. You can find me on social media. I'm not hiding. I'm really easy to find on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. And message me. I'm very responsive and I will get back to you. I have a workshop coming up soon for parents, but that is for perhaps next week's episode. If you're interested in any coaching or any human design work, again, tap me. I love doing this stuff. In the meantime, I will see you very soon for dyslexia and dyscalculia. I'll give you a clue about the uh, dyscalculia. It's numbers, written recognition, and um, I have to give you more. It'll give it all away. I will see you next week. This has been Michaela Gaffin-Stone talking about narcissism, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Send me a message. In the meantime, stay tuned. Thank you for listening to the Navigating Complicated Relationship Show. Mickey returns Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Until then, remember every relationship is a journey. And with the right tools, you can create stronger, more fulfilling connections.